Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by my co-host Ryan little dejected following Everton's riveting nil-nil draw at the Amex against Brighton and Hove Albion. Bleak performance, Ryan. 90 minutes of our lives that shall never be returned. No refunds and uh, one point at the end of it all. Well, we got a point away from home, so uh, we're all really happy, right? Thrilled. Thrilled. Yeah, yeah. That was it was uh, really an I'm inspiring. So it's an inspiring performance. You know what? Yeah, sorry. Off the air, we were talking about how I was going to do this whole episode in the voice of Arthur from the Peaky Blinders, but I'm <laughs> I'm going back on that anyway. Uh, yeah, it was not not inspired. <laughs> it wasn't great to watch, but again, um, I'm sure you'll have another instant reaction too. But when we flow into the lineup, uh, I think you'll have an idea why. Congratulations to Wobby Six score predictions. He got it right. I cannot believe someone had thought that that was going to be zero zero, but looking at the people we had available, maybe we should have thought about that. Yeah. I think you, you and I actually both tweeted something almost exactly the same, which was like, well, as soon as you saw the lineup probably should have known more or less how that was going to play out. And uh, really just a tough situation to be in. Look, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, late scratch, still no Allen, no Decore, John Philippe Gabamin. We get the news this morning that he suffered Third consecutive freak injury. I mean, Ryan, I know you're not a believer in the Everton curse, but uh, I am not. There's going to be not. a lot of people who would refute that based on no, the horrible no, look, luck of JPG. Look, you're missing the whole point. See, it's like Beavis and Butthead once said. It's like oh you got to have all the bad stuff to make the good part of the song rock and kick that much more. You mm. know, I think that was their analysis on uh, Radiohead's Creep, I think. If okay. I yes. I mean, that's and a great I, song. It is good band. But anyway, the point is that um, I don't believe in the curse. No, I don't at all. Uh, and I think if we play our cards right and are very smart, we can succeed and compete. But I mean, come on, look at that lineup. Are you kidding me? I mean, no, in no way can you. Carlo, if anything, has been and shown to be pragmatic. And I think in this instance, it was totally merited. Uh, Malcolm Tent at Serenity Nye. I, I love his comment to this one. That 11 throws an error in football manager, and I have to start a new save. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, when it came out, I wasn't sure where we were going to play people. I was hoping Ben Godfrey would be in that center defensive mid. We'll get into the tactics in a second. He wasn't exactly, but I mean, man, there are a lot of defenders in the lineup. I mean, look, we're still missing, in addition to the names mentioned before, no Josh King, no Andre Gomez, no Fabian Delph. We'll probably never see him again in an Everton shirt. No Bernard, no Jordan Pickford, and even uh, Tyler Onyango, who, uh, based on the lineup today, may have gotten a, an opportunity to start had he been fit. And so we're left with Robin Olsen, a back five-ish of Dean, Holgate, Keen, Mina, Coleman, and then a eye-wateringly painful midfield of Gilfie Sigurdsson, Mason Holgate, and Tom Davies with uh, Hamas Rodriguez and Richarlison, I guess, playing a dual striker. It's just hard because the way Brighton play, um, you wouldn't mind trading chances with them and playing a little more wide open if you had the, the legs to do it. And, you know, we we had didn't even have the legs, but we also didn't have the skill in the open open field. I mean, when you put Hamas and Siggy in the same side, 
I mean, I, I don't think so. Well. No, it doesn't. And again, we'll get to the tax in a second. So Brighton lined up with, for the most part, their first choice team, other than, you know, missing their right back, of course. Uh, Lamptey's a really good young player and a great attacking player, although in many ways he might have, that might have been a matchup issue that we could have exploited, although he probably would have played basically where Gross played most of the match, although Gross is very valuable with set pieces. He probably would have taken Motor out, uh, motor out of the lineup. But anyway, uh, Brighton have been playing three up top anyway. Really, it's two strikers kind of sitting in front of uh, Trossard. Uh, that's typically been well back in Malpay. So I'm not surprised that we played three center halves in there. I think that makes sense. It's just a three on two matchup, you know, to those two strikers that made perfect sense to me. Um, but yeah, our setup, I mean, you could see it was in essence, three midfielders and Mason Holgate kind of dropping a little bit deeper with Tom Davies. And, you know, it's, it's not initially, I thought that's a mistake. I want to see Ben Godfrey in that position because he's played there before uh, quite a bit growing up. But if you look at kind of how they attacked and stuff, I, I guess it kind of made sense. But yeah, I mean, there there were some observations there. I, I guess it's a 5-3-2, maybe a 5-3-1-1. I mean, yeah. is that kind of what you saw too? Yeah, I mean, look, James is certainly not uh, effective playing up top in a, in a striker pair, but when he's afforded that ability to sort of roam, and I mean, he was all over the place. He was dropping deep. He was going out yep. wide. I mean, we had Gilfie playing like kind of out wide left a lot of the time it just didn't really work but look when you have 12 fit senior players and then you've got like eight kids on the bench well 12 fit i mean i think that's debatable is a will true fit? yeah you're right i mean i think if a will if if a will fully fit you'd be kind of perplexed why he wouldn't start that match yeah based uh, on who's available you kind of want his legs in there i would think yeah too. i would have thought so too so it was a little perplexing but yeah it looked like a, a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 depending on you know if we're in possession or not mm-hmm. Um, Holgate and Davies ended up with the ball quite a bit. Dean got tried to push up, get him involved in the offense, but Richarlison, for all his hard work, uh, didn't really see a whole lot of the ball and was really struggling to make an impact all day. Yeah, I think if just some tactical observations. Um, early, there were some opportunities of us counterpressing them and them losing the ball. I mean, ultimately, we couldn't get the ball into their third much, even counterpress. There were a couple times that we did it. We had some opportunities. We didn't make the best of them early. Um, those kind of whittled away as we went on. But again, it's tough to be too aggressive from the back and try and win those second balls when they've got three guys up there too. So in essence, your center halves cannot be aggressive. A couple of times they were in the second half and it totally cost us. Mason Holgate went charging up at one point. The second you happen, you're like, if you don't win the ball here, we're absolutely hosed. And bang, they were running with it again. Godfrey did a really nice job of staying compact in the middle and slowing down some of those counters by kind of taunting them saying, hey, look at all the space out right. They sent it right. And he really bottled well back a couple times did a really nice job uh keen did it once too where he rushed up the middle too aggressively and we got caught out again and it's just not a safe thing to do and then the battle of midfield we had no prayer of winning yeah i mean look there were numerous times not only were our center center backs caught out but numerous times where i mean if i could just think off the top of my head each midfielder individually was caught over committing trying to yep. intercept pass got burned and look Frankly, Brighton played really poorly today, but and they've struggled to score and finish all season. They haven't really struggled to create chances. But I mean, we were I was amazed at how wide open the game was at times, especially in the first half, given you know our lineup, you'd think we'd be okay to be compact and 
Brighton was were giving us a lot of space in the center of the pitch, and we just didn't have the personnel to be able to exploit that in any way, shape, or form. Because just no guys with legs to create space, no no one stretching the Brighton defense. It was all very compact, very uh, lethargic at times. Just got and I, in lethargic in the sense that we just don't have the guys with the legs to be able to do that. It, it was almost like these guys have never played together before at times <laughs> in the midfield. Oh, because they haven't. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. No, I mean, but you look at it like it, it went, finally Brighton settled down a little bit in the second half and took advantage of what they could exploit. I mean, Basuma is a very good player. We know that. No surprise there. He's been a good player for quite some time. Mm. But if he dials back and pulls back and kind of picks up the ball from deep, who's going to contest the ball from there? You know, if Richarlison gets bypassed and, you know, they have three center halves, so one of them is going to be able to bypass Richarlison one way or the other if Richie goes at him. Is James or Gilfie Sigurdsson going to bother Yez Basuma when he puts the ball up deep? No, no chance there. He's just going to go right by those guys. So they're gone. They're bypassed. So, um, and then who's going to stop him? Holgate or Tom Davies? I mean, I, I, it's not. So to me, that that was obvious. I knew that was going to happen. We were going to have trouble dealing with him. And our pressure was kind of mixed. And then you look at it when we did win the ball back. And like I said, we actually did win it a couple times. Not as much. I mean, when we look at the summary stats. But when we did, how are we going to hold the ball? Look at the guys we have in there. Tom Davies. He's shown some ability to possess the ball. But under pressure, he's still inconsistent. His first touch, I thought, was awful tonight. Yep. Um, Mason Holgate is not well-equipped to... He, he may be well-equipped to defend in that role, but he can't hold the ball. His ball skills are just not not good enough. And, and the orientation is totally different You know, when you've got players all around him. And his first touch is not good enough. His passing is incredibly inconsistent. And it was tonight. And Gilfie is not an answer either. Gilfie is one of the worst on the team at possession. He can't receive the ball very well. He lacks agility. He doesn't find space upwards. And several times the ball went into him. He lost it. And bang, it was right off on the counter. Yeah. And I think Holgate, the problem is, I mean, look, he's God bless him. He's played yeah, not his position fault. all uh, season, not yeah, his fault at all. Right. But we were talking off air a little bit. With the game in front of him, when he can receive the ball to feed and look around and pick a pass, like he's shown decent passing range. But when you're trying, when, for example, Brighton would turn it over around the top of our box and we'd be looking to, you know, make some sort of transition break in the opposite direction, if he's receiving the ball with the back to Brighton's goal, he just looks so uncomfortable, not really feeling like he can turn and, and go at anyone and, and being a central defender or a right back all season, you wouldn't expect him to be in that position very often. And it's a very different dynamic and uh, it changes. Uh, it, it takes some getting used to, and it's not his game. Yeah. It's a really good point. The best way to beat a pressuring defense is quick kind of one touch one, you know, kick it back and then head forward kind of as a give and go. That's a very common strategy. Either way, you're going to have pressure on you. Your first touch has to be spot on. Who in that midfield has a great first touch? I mean, that is why we literally bought a lawn. James, of course. Yeah, no question about it. Decore shows initiative. Like those are two guys that are even Andre Gomes on a good day is very good under pressure because he can use his body to fend people off. So if you think about a combination passing play out there, you know, a couple of times we had the ball outright. And you had either kind of Godfrey pushing up in support, Coleman, and Davies is floating it over there, him and Holgate. I mean, what are the chances if it's three passes required to bypass a couple guys that those guys are going to do it under pressure accurately or well? No, no, the first touches just don't hold up. I mean, look, a first touch is, should be one of two things traditionally. It's one to escape pressure and the other one to set up your next pass if you have time and space. Well, if every first touch is under pressure, it's just math, right? You're not have a good touch, first touch. 
I mean, so many times I saw us trying to make plays on with speed and like Davies hitting it way too far in front of himself or, or Mason, yeah. just, just that first touch is a little bit off night, not, not tight to his body. And thus the pass was affected. And, and that's what you saw. And that's what good pressure does. And look, we had no midfielders, man. We had debatably our worst midfielder, the only one healthy. I mean, all of them were gone. I mean, seriously. I, so if I'm bright and I do the same thing and they, I, I don't think they pressed any more than they normally do. They kind of played their game, but unfortunately the matchup was not a good one for us. Yeah. And they just had a, I mean, they are a well-drilled side and, and yeah. frankly, they knew the only way we were going to beat them was either with James having a moment of brilliance, most yeah. likely, or Luca Dean and Richarlison perhaps linking up and like very early on, you saw them just swarm James anytime he had the ball. Yeah. Good strategy. I mean, it's anytime you got the ball, like in any sort of area of, of danger exactly. for the most part. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, and that's why eventually he had to just start coming deeper because that yep. was the only place he could receive the ball in any space. But same thing with, with Dean. I mean, he, he was trying to push up, trying to push up and they just did a good job of keeping the ball away from him. Yeah. Ben White did a nice shot. They kind of shaded him over there. Everyone and their mother knows that Everton's going to attack down the left. Now I was happy that we did have a couple moments where we attacked down the right. I thought Seamus Coleman gave it a go a little bit, you know, in terms of having some courage to try and beat people, but that's also a risky thing too, because if he loses the ball and they're on the counter, Godfrey was isolated several times today and did very well. But, you know, it's one thing to do that, you know, kind of slow them down. But if, if, you know, if a, center mid isn't back there to support you you're kind of in trouble and ask Seamus to run back and forth all match without a sub that's not a recipe for success either that's another thing people got to realize like who are you going to sub in you're going to put Kyle John in to sub I mean come on man that's that's some crazy stuff the other thing is too we lack speed we lack speed up top I mean Richarlison's the only one that's going to get behind those guys and they've got three center halves in there ultimately Feltman pushed up a lot but still um, so if that's the one guy that's going to stretch their defense and they weren't stretched, they weren't pressed as hot, pushed up as high and didn't need to be because they had the ball. That's it. I mean, Gilfie's not going to outrun anyone. He's not going to get into space. And even Luca Dean as skilled as he is. I prefer that he was kind of serving a ball rather than running, right. running onto it. Yeah. And I think it's really summed up quite nicely. There's the lack of options in that the one decent break that we get, uh, ends up being a cross that falls to Tom Davies, who's like oh. the only guy in the box, but he has Gilfie kind of trailing him. Let the ball um, go, man. Let the yeah. ball go. And he heads it well wide. There was also another decent bit of uh, offensive, I guess, breaking forward when I think it was like, a, it was might've been Seamus and Richarlison had a nice little give and go and they played it over the top. And that was, a, that was a good run, but struggled mightily throughout to create very much. And I think the stats really, illustrate that from start to finish but i think the second half especially is when brighton uh took command and they really just were poor finishing ultimately yeah that's what it is and brighton doesn't finish well i mean let's be honest i mean their expected goals on the year is what like 41.8 i think going into the match almost it's like a meme at this point it is ours is 36.2 i mean the joke is their xgfc you know that's brighton for you but i I think non-penalty goals I, i i think or maybe it's total xg minus actual goals they're almost like at 10 differential in terms of finishing. It's they're 18th in the league. It's really bad. I would argue that Fulham's almost worse, which is shocking considering I think they have some guys, but they, they don't really have a true kind of center forward. Brighton has some guys who are just kind of off. I mean, Malpe has kind of been known for creating chances, not finishing them. Wellback's not necessarily known as a great finisher either. 
It does. It does kind of get you wonder though. Grand Potter's teams are very well organized and do create a lot of chances. If they had maybe a little more cash to get a stud center forward and maybe another attacking force kind of in a wide spot, man, this would be a pretty good side, but they have a lot to play for. There's still, I think a lot of bad luck in a position in a relegation spot, or at least a threat. Um, the one point was important for them. And ultimately, if you look at our personnel, I mean, we, I don't know if we deserved it or not. I mean, some of these overall match summary stats are shocking. Yeah, look, I mean, we ended up with his 45-55 possession split, and yet some of these stats are are really shocking given given that uh somewhat even possession. I mean, we're out tackled 17 to 7. That's um, I mean, how how on earth is that possible, you know, considering they had the you know, they had the ball more. Yeah, and then you look at dispossessions as well. I mean, they had 7 and we had 13, so almost twice as many dispossessions despite less of the ball. They also, I mean, this is less surprising, but they key passes 15 to four in favor of Brighton. They blocked 10 shots. We blocked one, 23 to eight in shots overall. I believe we had one shot on target to their three. Uh, so really bad again, just shows how bad they are at finishing. They could get nothing, nothing on goal. And Robin Olsen had a couple decent saves, but otherwise pretty uneventful for him. And then 10 to three on corners. I mean, we just had no business really getting a point from this game. And so you look at it again, given the personnel, people will, people were really frustrated and upset, which I get because it's disappointing. And it was a must win game, really, if we wanted to have a realistic shot at champions league, but the personnel, you, you just can't get past the sheer staggering number of injuries that are in this side. And where we weren't a good side last year, we added some guys who made us a pretty good side if we're fully healthy without half those guys, plus a bunch of the other guys who weren't even that good to begin with. It's, it's a rough picture for Carlo, especially in the midfield. That's the thing. I mean, you could deal with a couple injuries here or there, but when you literally your top five midfielders are out and I would argue you're, you're only four that are truly reliable defensive players. Tom Davies has improved a lot. I mean, yeah. I'm really happy to see it. It's fantastic. I think he cemented his status as a squad player, but like even Fabian Delft is a considerably, I think better, at least in terms of recovering the balls, uh, he's more active and stuff, but Delft's also a good possession player, but you know, JPG, I mean, that's just tragic. You know what I'm it's saying? Really what, sad. what a really difference, just, what a difference he could make. And so look at Brighton. I mean, Basuma and motor God, I love motor by the way. He's still pretty raw, but man, I mean, both those guys attempted five tackles each. How many tackles do they make five and four? Because I mean, who's going to go by them? No one, exactly. Seamus, right? Seamus. I mean, and that, that was it. I mean, it will be when you brought him on. Yeah, the numbers are ridiculous. I mean, 10 to three in corners. I mean, it's just not, it's not good. I mean, and ultimately what saved us is Brighton's finishing was absolutely terrible. Um, XG philosophy had Brighton at 1.27 and Everton at 0.36. Oof. There were 31 shots in this evening's match. Not a single one was worth more than 0.5 XGs. And that's, 0.15. Oh, what did I say? 0. 0.5? 0. 0.5, oh. yeah. 0. Yeah, 0. 0.15. 0. 0.5. Big deal. What kind of stat is that? That's, that's terrible. I mean, I'm supposed a good to chance. Really, remember, I'm I'm stats guy. I'm a bad person because I like stats. Um, you are. God. I agree. It's <laughs> Thank you for your support as usual. It's, you're not the only one out there that said something similar. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think that says it all. And, yeah. and, and look, you're going to have to be pragmatic. You got no bench whatsoever. You have six defenders basically playing. Um, we could only have people that were 
available to us. So I, you know, I think it's better to spend most of our time here in the pod. I think on some of the comments, I think there were some really good comments, but some of them beg bigger, bigger questions. And I, I think some of the reactions after the match, and I was probably battling more on social media than I should have. Uh, I thought were borderline insane. And it really disappoints me that some people cannot just at least do some basic research or just take a step back sometimes and really think more clearly what you're saying. Cause some of these takes are just terrible. Uh, we're going to capture some of the more rational ones and try and do what we always do is apply logic and reason and try not to be overly emotional about things. Um, but there are a lot of them. Yeah. I think people were by and large, pretty measured, but of course, Everton Twitter after a uh, disappointing result is, Oh, it's just prone to bring out some of the most diabolically outrageous takes that you'll ever see. But uh, we tried to swerve most of those and uh, stick to some of the good stuff. And so in response to our post-match reaction, we had uh, MVP, well-known uh, curmudgeon of Everton Twitter, at Phil Addy. He said it was grim, but we knew Hamas and Gilfi shouldn't play at the same time, but there weren't many options. Davies, too many giveaways. We knew from Project Restart that Davies and Gilfie are a poor combo. Still had a chance to steal it at the end. Wouldn't have deserved it at all. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Hamas and Gilfie, not a good combo. Davies and Gilfie, not a full good combo. And yet you've got all three of them on the pitch. It's just uh, not a pretty picture at all. No, it's not. And yeah, too many giveaways. I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, virtually anyone who touched the ball a lot from us was giving the ball away Uh Quite often. And the thing is, it's one thing if that's done at the expense of creation, like Coleman right. was dispossessed four times and had two bad touches. Uh, but at least he had three key passes. He had a couple dribbles like he did do. He did create some things. But if that's your primary source of creation, you're not doing so well. I mean, Hanez had his typical game. I mean, he had a couple of pretty good dribbles. Um, he was dispossessed three times, but he had the ball a lot too bad touches for him. That's pretty rare. But I mean, the referee was kind of letting them play. I oh. think he was somewhat consistent in doing that. Although I think he missed a couple key calls, but that probably would have helped us. I mean, more set pieces and more fouls would have been probably a good thing. Um, but almost everyone out there had bad touches. I mean, Gilfie created nothing as usual from open play. Surprise, surprise. People got to wake up, man. I mean, that's how it is. You know, two times dispossessed, two bad touches. Uh, Davies, the same thing, two and two. Um, he had three shots and none of them were on target like everybody else. <laughs> But no, it's true. I mean, you know, we didn't deserve it. And that's how it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think it, it. there's a certain element of pragmat pragmatism. And I think Carlo did that. And that was fine. So Casey, Casey Griffin at K underscore Griff 314. Whatever game plan Carlo had was scrapped last minute due to injuries. Really good point. With no Alon, we weren't able to link defense and attack. No DCL. And his injury happened fairly late, I think, uh, from what I understood meant we couldn't play direct. Where does that leave us? The space between midfield and attack was criminal, but 12 available senior players. He's right. He's absolutely right. I mean, that 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 says it says it very, very well. Um, yeah, the space was criminal. I mean, but we had no people to fill it. Yeah, and we had Andy DBQ. Uh, Andy on Twitter also say fairly, I'm honestly surprised we were able to generate the 0.36 XG or whatever it was. We're missing about half the squad due to injuries, and it was shallow to begin with. Be grateful for the point and hope things are better on Friday. No doubt about it. Look, I mean, just what do you what what more do people expect? I mean, you don't have the legs, you don't have the depth, and mind you, probably every single one of those guys knew that 
there was probably a 95% chance they were going to have to play all 90 minutes. And so there's some kind of, you know, you can leave it all on the pitch, but you can't leave it all on the pitch in the first half when, you know, you've got a whole other 45 to play. No, I, I, Liam's take is a good one too. Liam at Liam Keating seven lack of anticipation or taking any chances is so prevalent, yeah. hard to win games that way. Also hard to root for a team that way. See a Friday laugh out loud. And again, this is a byproduct of not having any bench whatsoever. You know, it's, it's hard. And the other thing is too, like we said, tactically Brighton puts pressure on your center half. So if you're going to play three back there, I think that's the right thing to do, but those guys cannot be aggressive winning those second balls. So your midfield has to be the one that does it. And you know, that just wasn't going to happen. It did happen a couple of times early, but again, we're wasteful with it because the second we won the ball, bang, they were right on us. And if you don't have the skill or the speed or something to kind of put pressure on them and beat someone, I mean, ultimately that's the whole game. If they're going to pressure you, someone's got to beat someone, whether yeah. it's by the dribble, whether it's running in behind, whether it's a killer ball, you've got to win your battles. That's how it is, man. And it requires teams to have skill. Now, a good skilled team today against Brighton probably picks them apart, but we didn't have the guns again. We didn't have the midfield. So, but, but look, some of the takes though, still like, I cannot believe some of the takes today were, well, Everton's just terrible. No, that's not it. So Garrett post was active after the match at parrot ghost, which, and I love Garrett. I think he's a pretty practical guy. His response. Some of these takes I'm seeing are absolutely insane in quotes. We don't look like a team chasing Europe in quotes. Well, no, you know what? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're too late on that, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, we had, we don't swear in the show. Uh, I don't even know why, honestly, we've never really talked about it. <laughs> uh, we had 12 senior players and six of them were defenders. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, why, why would you have, some, again, why do the takes have to be some referendum on all things Everton when this has nothing to do with the full-fledged Everton side and no one else is dealing with those level, level of injuries? There is no way anyone has had to put 12 senior players and that's it, one of which probably isn't fully fit in a Wobie out in any single match this year. And, and Robbie Leatherbarrow has another one, good one too, at RWL140172. Robbie, got to do better than that, man. And he's got like the blank face. I love Robbie, man. Come on, jazz it up. <laughs> Express yourself, man. Um, when you have few urgency players available, then you lose urgency. Basically, after defenders, we had defensive players in attack. That That is, I mean, it's such a simplistic thing to say, but is that not perfect? I mean, it's, it's on the nose, right? Like Tom Davies is not a goal scorer, despite the fact that, uh, of course, the goal against Man City that will live long in the memory. It's just not his game, nor is it uh, Mason Holgate's game. No, and it's certainly not Gilfie's game from open play. So you basically are playing, you know, the five at the back as well as the midfielders who aren't going to contribute very much. James and Richarlison end up being very isolated. And uh, yeah, it, it's a simple comment. But look, the guys who are really have that level of urgency in their game, Decore being, I think, the that one can that play. Really Davies has urgency, but I, he doesn't have the skills quite to play as fast right. as he would like to. Yeah, and that's where I think uh, uh, Liam's comment comes in with like the lack of anticipation. You had a lot of guys making the initial pass, and then Davies, Sigurdsson to a large extent, unable to make, unable to pivot, unable to to move to receive balls and quickly transition. And so it was just, oh, it was just a very frustrating afternoon. And uh, yeah, I think Robbie really summed it up nicely. And I think Casey again coming in. Uh, I like this, this one bombshell which maybe not a bombshell but i think this is is really like a good thought exercise to go through because i think it puts a lot of it in perspective you look at the lineup olsen godfrey mina keen coleman davies gilfie holgate dean 
James Richarlison, and then the bench, which we all know. Casey says, tell me with a straight face, this team, if it played 38 games, would finish higher than 15th. Now, Ryan, we just went through an exercise on uh, our last pod episode where we talked about the team from 17-18 and how poor they were and how that team probably could have been relegated. How do you feel about that lineup today if we ha- if that was our best 11 going into a full Premier League season? Well, it would have been better than the 17-18 team because at least a couple of those guys had some market value and you could sell them and get more players. <laughs> I mean, in all seriously. Yeah, no, you're I mean, right. I, seriously. I mean, it was, I mean, Brands has got a hundred million total in sales out of that group. And a couple of them were talented young players, which he didn't want to sell. I, I don't think that team finishes higher than 15. I mean, the other thing people got to realize, man, this is the Premier League. Everyone spends money. I mean, there's some talented players here. I mean, Basuma is a good example of someone who is a top player top young talent in France that went for you know, 15, 20 million pounds a couple of years ago. So he's had a chance to develop. I mean, this brain team has not done terrible recruitment. So if they're fully healthy and we're not, again, we've talked about net spend. We talked about gross spend, gross spend the last three years. What was it? It's like seven, seven, 10 yeah. net spend is like 10, nine, six. I mean, that is not spending like a top club. So if you inherit a bad team that already is very poor and doesn't have the talent, and I swear to God, if I see another person that compares this team now to that 17-18 team, I don't care that they finished eighth. They had 49 points, man. They had a negative 14 goal differential. They gave up the most goals in open play. We went through a whole pod for an hour and a half, 20 minutes of it spent on how bad that team is. This team doesn't get touches in advanced areas and has some issues. It is nowhere near that team nowhere near. And we have just as many injuries as that team had probably more so in more plays. I mean, my God, can you imagine if you put Ghana for 2,700 minutes on this team this year? What a blessing. We'd be totally much, different, much totally better. different picture. But yeah. This team doesn't, I don't think that finishes. I mean, James or Richarlison are pretty decent, but like, does that team finish higher than 15th? What do you think? I don't think so. And look, I, a lot of people that listen to the show that, the big fans of the Premier League watch all the games, but I do think there's a certain number of people that like see a team like Brighton and Hove Albion and just think, you know, they don't have the history, they don't have the precedent, and so they just must not be very good. It's like, look, they've made some pretty good signings. There, there are a lot of clubs in this league that make top signings from other leagues and, and pilfer those guys because they want to come for the wages. They, they don't come for necessarily the glory, yeah. the prestige, and so you've got. And there's been a lot made about how bad the league is this year. And I would say that almost the opposite is true in some sense where there's just a lot of like parody and a lot of teams that are pretty solid. Um, but I didn't want to, but I, I do not think that th- that that team that played today would have a prayer because the depth is even worse than what we have now of finishing top 15. I mean, that's relegation scrap to the very end. Yeah. And it's not typical of what our team is or where we're at as a club. It's just indicative that we have that many injuries. Do I think a fully, if our team was just as healthy as theirs was, I I think we, I think we smack these guys, you know, it wouldn't be a total one-sided affair because even at our best, you know, we're, I mean, I think, look, if we're fully healthy all year, I think we're top 16. I do. Maybe we're sixth. Maybe we're sixth, you know, um, but I mean, no one else is healthy. So I guess we kind of knew that was going to be that way with the condensed schedule. So maybe that's sure. a shot, but no one has injuries like this. I mean, come on, man. And again, the Brighton team is not bad. They're playing much better than their results. 
So this is another example of this, right? I mean, Brighton outplayed us. They're outplaying a lot of teams, man. They're outplaying a lot of teams. A lot of games like this all year where they've created more chances than the other team but haven't gotten the results. They're yeah. not sitting in 16th or whatever they are right now because they're a terrible side. And this just in, man, the table lies sometimes. It's because they're not finishing very well. Now you could argue maybe they're just not good finishers. Eh, there's some merit to that. And that's fair. But but this is still the type of game. And we almost smashed and grabbed it at the end. That would have been lovely if a Wobie oh, just scored on that one. Oh. Uh, yeah, but again, you know, there he is playing on the right again to accommodate. Th- this is how we are. Let's get into the bench because th- that's this has got to yeah. be the worst bench I've ever seen on an Everton side. I, I, literally ever. I don't think you could... I dare listeners out there to find me a worse bench. Nathan Broadhead comes on. He actually played in the game. Nathan is 23 years old. Premier League debut. Premier. I mean, and again, he had a nice showing in the U21s. I know technically it's U23s, but come on. He's 23 years old. Never played. I mean, come on, man. That's the state of affairs. But but look, I mean, Royal Brewmercy had a funny funny tweet and i think your response is priceless but I, i'll i'll let you do yeah. us the favor of that one yeah this one was uh a little bizarre i mean asking the question royal blue mersey at rb mersey are any of the lads on the bench actually good enough just feels like they're place fillers having them there and not using them and i said no they're not good enough they are there because we have literally no one else <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like people really it, and I get like, there's this consistent mentality of, uh, well, just give the kids a chance and like, they'll have something to prove and they'll come on and make a difference. But it's like, look, that's a big ass to ask. These no, they won't 23. And they'll probably just kind of be terrible and just have to endure abuse from our fans on Twitter. Like the rest of the first team squad would Anthony Gordon. Wasn't good enough. I mean, I'm sorry. He wasn't people. Oh yes, he was. He went, no, he wasn't. He's yeah. not playing regularly where he is now. He, he's a good talent. But the difference, the gap between the U21s, and that's what I'm calling them because that's what it should be, the senior, a senior side in the Premier League. So on one hand, you can't sit there and brag about the Premier League being the best league in the world, the best league in the world. And then on the other hand, say, well, we expect people from the U21 side to just come up and play. No club does that. None of them. How many clubs have a teenager out there, period, that's getting any any time? I think last time I checked, it's something like six or seven of them in the whole league. So actually there were like six or seven defenders in the championship that are getting time. Cause I remember I had to look it up for Jared Brantwaite to see like, why is he not playing? Um, but I mean, look at this bench, two goalkeepers, yeah, very important for us. <laughs> I mean, that's God. cause you don't have any, two. but that's cause you don't. Have and that's any. like, but literally, I mean, that's funny. Cause you say the two goalkeepers, I mean, that's just like par for the course. Now that's like the 10th game in our 20th game in a row. We don't have anyone else on the bench. I mean, I mean, seriously, some of these guys have never been on the bench before in their lives. Price and Welsh. Are you kidding me? Did, I mean, half our listeners probably hadn't even heard of them until this week. They're probably asking, who is that? I don't even know who that is. John, I don't know if he's made the bench yet. At least we kind of know of him. A couple of times, yeah. But Niels Nkunku, that's another one. What, are you going to start him in front of Dean? He came from the fourth division in France. I mean, look, I think he's a talented guy. I'm looking forward to him. I Hopefully he goes on loan next year. I think that would be wise. You got a half fit of Wobi. I mean, that's the worst. That is the worst bench I've ever ever seen and that's just kind of how it was but that is not indicative of where we are as a club i mean come on man it's ridiculous to even say and it's and there was a whole exchange about this too which i kind of wanted to talk about if we could um yeah let's get to it we'll save uh the other one for last yeah yeah so 
All right. So Paul, the ask friend of the program, we love Paul. And I think a lot of Paul's critiques on kind of the board being better and, and the organization and the club being run better are totally spot on. But I think at times that there's an extension of that into the football operations where there's only so much they can do. Now, Paul has a little more insight in terms of how they run than I do, and maybe they're meddling in some aspect, but, but really Mosh can fund the football side and not much else. Now, look, could they do better in generating commercial revenue and things like that? Yeah, sure. Of course. But, but I think there's a little bit of a disconnect in terms of what the expectation should be. So, so let me read you the exchange. Cause I thought it was all right. So Paul says at no point did we look like a side chasing champions league or Europa league, more like a side looking forward to end of season holidays. Now, my response to that was because we had injuries. Are you guys being serious? Mason Holgate and Tom Davies were our two center mitts. So his response is absolutely serious. It's not good enough. We're told we have a great manager, a good squad, an organization that understands what is acceptable. Yet we don't deliver against even those standards, let alone our historic NSNO values. NSNO is more than fundamentals. Phil McNulty jumps on top of this. It was the lack of urgency that had been evident, had been in evidence for weeks. Injuries should not rob you of that basic intent to at least look like you want to win the game. It was awful, and to say anything else is delusion. So here I think was a good response. Alex Quigley at Hunting English. Notions of urgency and fight need to be supplemented by quality and speed. He's right. Davies, Sigurdsson, Awobi, and Holgate simply are not good enough quality PL midfielders. Can't pass to make us look slick. Lack speed to create any tempo. The first two make us look pedestrian too. Here's my response to that. Well, only one of them is an actual midfielder, so that's your problem right there. Two are attacking players and the other is the center back. So I don't understand how this tonight, the lack of urgency, whatever the heck that means. I mean, I'm so, what does that mean? Like Gilfie's not going to be urgent because he's slow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Tom Davies is not technically capable of playing with urgency well under pressure. Not yet. I mean, he has some moments, of course. Holgate's not. I mean, we're expecting Holgate to dominate possession and dwell on the ball and, you know, be the maestro. And no, that's not realistic. And why were they playing? Why would that case? Because everyone was hurt. That is not an indictment of where we are as a club. And that's what I have a problem with. We are told we have a great manager, a good squad. Today, we did not have a good squad. We had a very bad squad. Right. And so, again, we this goes back to our pod last week where we inherited a terrible team, a truly terrible team. Any measure or anyone sits tries to tell me that was a good team. I don't care if they finished eighth with only 49 points. It was a terrible side terrible side and even worse it was a bad side to build on because it had no sellable assets really and then we spend like we said we have in between 10th and 7th we're probably eighth or ninth spend during that time why would you expect us to be contending for the champions league if that's what you're doing objectively speaking no one should think that unless marcel brands is the smartest and best director of football in the history of mankind and he's done okay well okay whether he is or isn't is kind of irrelevant um but you know i, I just it's that performance was one of pragmatism. We had 12 players, 12, really 11 and a half and six were defenders. What did people want us to do? Give it a go. Why? So Brighton could put two or three behind us. I, I, that's not that. Do you want to get yeah, results or right. not, man? I mean, sometimes you have to accept how things are and go with substance over style. That's why you have a good manager. I, I, I just, I don't understand that. That, that it just it really it really bothers me because you're not thinking straight here. I mean, literally, that's your sixth best debatably midfielder playing in there, and your seventh or eighth. I don't even know what it is because he doesn't play midfield. What did what did you expect? I mean, that's 
even if we were fully healthy, we said going into the year, if we were fully healthy and we got some breaks, we could maybe push for six. Is that not what we said in the pod? Exactly what we said. Yeah. Do we think that? I mean, it's still possible to get six. Champions League's gone, and that was always a bit of a pipe dream anyway. I mean, look, you bring this squad into the Champions League, and I mean, that's not a pretty sight. You'd have to make a lot of signings in the summer to make this squad uh, remotely capable of getting out of the group stage. And the other teams would have to not make signings. That's the thing. I had someone tweet against me. You made this point great last pod. We've spent $200 since Brands was here. So what? If you spent a billion dollars since Brands was here and all our competitors spent more, how relevant is that number? It could be right. any number. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be five bucks. It, it does not matter. It's relative to your competition. And when you inherit a bad group of guys anyway, look, we're not out from under financial fair play. I, I mean, Mosh deserves a lot of credit for funding us, but like, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, we're considering the injuries. we actually have a chance still to make Europe. I mean, and a lot of people are going to be back on Friday. Yeah, and, and I guess that's the thing for me too. Is like, I think the ask and ever and others in that thread make a good point. Like, it has been a while where we've played this very pragmatic style of sitting back and we try to get a goal and then maybe defend. But it's not like this is kind of the culmination and the most severe that the injury issue has been. But it's been a problem since basically like the first five games of the season. And I think uh, Ian Bartley, I Bartley 10 summed it up really well in this tweet. And we talked about it on Toffee TV as well with the uh, chart from boss man, junior RuPaul Pogba. But he says, Dean, Allen, Decore, James, Richarlison, and DCL. Those six guys have started six games together this season. Of those six, winning five and drawing one with a goal difference of 17 to nine. All uh, those 17 goals were scored or assisted by these players needed them to play together more often, or we would always be inconsistent. I mean, I think like those guys, we need them all pretty much to be on their game. And when they're all in the side, 17 to nine goal difference, I think speaks for itself. And that was basically like the first four or five matches of the season. And it's been a real struggle to get even like five of them together in the same lineup since. Yeah, and I think the Robert Morrison at RS underscore Morrison. <laughs> I love uh, this one. It's a great quote, but I, I think it speaks to the pragmatism issue. This is the type of game people think all soccer matches are when they say the sport is boring. <laughs> yeah, nothing going forward. James and Richie had nothing to do. Packing it in against Brighton just makes me go head smack in the head emoji. Um, but yeah, but guess what? That's how Carlo felt like he had to play to get a result. And we got a result. Did we all want three points? Yes, we all wanted three points. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I I wanted a pony, too, for Christmas, but I didn't get one. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying you got to be realistic and be fair about some of these expectations. I, that is truly, I truly think that's the root of everything. If people just objectively took a step back and said, okay, the team in 1718 was really bad. We've spent, you know, in between 10th and 7th since then. So realistically, since other teams already started ahead of us, we should be a ninth or an eighth place team at this point, which is where we're at. They wouldn't be hair on fire. And that, that, by the way, that is not an indictment of our standards as a club. And that that's what irritates me just because I say that. And just because you may think that just because we have realistic in our idea, expectations of how we should be right now as a club does not denigrate some holistic concept of how Everton should or should not be. It's just where we're at now because we were in a bad spot before. That's that's all it is. That doesn't mean we can't get to where we want to be. That doesn't mean we think that we shouldn't be at a higher standard eventually. 
that doesn't mean we're discrediting the club's ideals, but you can't just turn it on. Like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. No team, no team. When Jurgen Klopp inherited his team, were they suddenly great? No, they were like fifth. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. That's not. And what other clubs have dealt with injury this year? A lot of them that have spent a lot more money than us. I mean, you think we're frustrated? Look at like Spurs. Right. Yeah. And I do think a lot of the frustration is born out of the fact that, look, I mean, at one point we were top of the table. We've been consistently like kind of lingering in the top four for large stretches. And it just feels like now it's starting to kind of slip out of our reach. And I get that frustration because it did feel like this would be a very different season. Carlos first full season at the helm. And we've had bad luck. We've had a lot of bad luck with injuries. And and maybe some of it isn't all bad luck because it seems to be a persistent problem at least the last couple of years at Everton specifically um which I don't really I still think it's you know look it's unfortunate it's been uh definitely disproportionately bad compared to a lot of other clubs but everyone has injuries and you just kind of have to deal with it and if we can get a couple of these guys back for the rest of the season it seems like a few of them will be back for Friday against Spurs which is now a massive six point swing that could and we say this a lot, like be a season defining moment. If we can get all three points in that game, um, the your, I think Europa League is right where we would belong next season. I think that's a realistic target for which we can start to build the squad around and build depth for that competition. It's going to be tough, I, though, man. I mean, because it, it, no seventh doesn't go to Europa. You know what I mean? Right. That's it goes to that second competition, which, uh, well, I, I know, I know. I know. But, but look, I mean, West Ham got very fortunate against Wolves. Um, Lester, God, did they just lay an egg? I mean, that was the team that I thought would drop and there's still some time for them to do that, but we've got to irk out some wins. We still have a game of hand against everyone. Um, so there is something to be said for that. I know man city is the last match, but there's a good chance that match may mean nothing. Um, but to yes, them. the spurt to, to them. Yeah. 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 It's probably going to mean something to us. <laughs> well, I hope it means something to us. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, and you can't look back because it doesn't matter if we finish eighth or you know, 15th. I mean, it's completely irrelevant other than, you know, a million bucks each spot in terms of prize money, but the Spurs one is a big one. I mean, look, if we win that one and we'll have some people back for that, I mean, that's massive. You know what I mean? We jump them. We're in essence in seventh and, you know, we still got a game at hand against Liverpool who unfortunately we saw Liverpool as a really weak schedule going forward, but man, you know, someone could drop and we got another crack at West Ham and some of these other clubs too. So, um, I just we're not going to see the the pragmatic effort that we saw tonight in any other match. I don't think because uh, knock on wood, we cannot possibly face the injury crisis that we had tonight. I mean, there's just I, Brian, I, careful. I, I, I know, I, I know, like I know that this all season, like I've never seen anything. We like this. couldn't have worse injuries. It couldn't I'm, get worse, and yeah, it's it's gotten worse. Like, I've never seen anything like lot. this. Though. I mean, it's truly, crazy, Ryan. I, I, just the midfield alone. I've never seen anything like this. You know, at I mean, the end of this year, they're going to have some sort of like we saw the one last year about longest uh, or most severe long term injuries. Yeah, most significant club. injuries. We were number one by mile. By and we're going to be number one close. by even more of like ten miles this season. What's going on? What's going on at Finch Farm? We had someone ask in the uh, reply to our tweet and said, like, what are they doing in training? And I just sent back a, a gif of a guy like in the Royal Rumble, just like them all beating on a guy with a chair. I'm like, that's that's got to be what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, WrestleMania was this weekend. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, about that. I, so we've seen this a lot in different sports, you know, in America and elsewhere, where you start to question, is the medical staff doing their job? And um 
I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know enough to be able to make that sort of assessment whatsoever. I don't think but, anyone you know, does. No, but at some point there is some level of accountability either way. You know, I thought Marco Silva, for example, as a manager was getting fairly unlucky, but there are some cracks in there and you could see it. It was the right time to make a change. So again, I'm not advocating firing the medical staff at Finch Farm. I'm completely unable to make any sort of assessment like that. But man, this is getting ridiculous. It's out of hand and it's a frustrating day. But look, we still have plenty of control over our own fate. Uh, I know that won't fill very many we with do. a lot of confidence. The fact that it's in our hands, because that seems to be when we uh, bottle it the most. But we look forward to Friday. We look ahead onwards and upwards for Evertonians everywhere. And look, it's the hope that kills you, but it's the hope that keeps you going. So I think that's uh, where we kind of have to leave it for today. Ryan, any final thoughts? The only thing I'll say is that a lot of these things are unfortunate, but again, I just don't believe in some sort of Everton curse. Did we mention Jen, did we mention Jenk Tosin got hurt again? Um, that's another one. I mean, how crazy is that? Jenk was gone for 20 mil to palace last year and got hurt. I mean, again, all I'm trying to say is that, look, last week we, we had not even a full squad and we created a lot. You know what I mean? The, the, the palace yeah. match, we played great. And Seamus said that after the match in his post-game interview, and don't bag on him for that, man. What is he supposed to say as a captain, man? People, please. I mean, you know, there's some diplomacy that needs to happen in leadership that, you know, you can't say, oh, what well, we were terrible or something like that, you know? Um, but look, yeah, all there's still plenty to play for. This is not a wasted year. You know, that's a, that's crazy talk and a very strange way to look at things. And a lot of these teams above us or right in between us aren't that much better than us. Some of them aren't playing well. And we did show that we could create some chances like we did, uh, you know, against Palace. So um, all is not lost. But most importantly, right now, where we're at is not a referendum or indictment of the way forward. It really isn't. And I think for anyone to declare that we're not still improved, we're not still dramatically improved as a side, I think is is off. Um, and I'm looking forward to the future, but there's still a lot of play for this year. Amen to that. And I think that's a, a great note to wrap up on. So thank you everyone for listening to the show. As always, if you want to follow us on social media or check out any of our other shows, you can find all the links at L I N K T R dot E E slash USA toffee pod. That's link T R dot E E slash USA toffee pod. Um, otherwise check us out on toffee TV, check us out, uh, all over the place. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP for sure. I've got some good people in there. And I get your score predictions in for Friday. No partial credit, by the way. We had a couple of people try to claim partial credit on the score prediction. They did that again. No half credit, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but with that, we will leave you for the time being. And until next time, up the toffees. <laughs> <laughs>